Stinging waves, fox spear, lock is action, very weird. Captain Pike, Crystal's wife, Klingons, and the afterlife. Boimler, Tendi's dog, Ransom is very harsh. Four drive, black alert, Giorgio has gone berserk. Beat your bad left, Edward is an idiot. Fuck is dead, Wolf is wed, Chekhov's wearing red. Data's cat, Kempex cat, Q has had enough of that. Beat me up, make it so, everybody let's go. We are Well, good evening, Trekkies and Trekkers around the globe. It is Thursday, February 16th, 2023, and uh, it is 7.30 p.m., meaning we are live, meaning you can let your fingers do the walking and call Trek Talking right now at 646-668-2433, and join us on episode 515. Hard to believe, isn't it? Wow. Um, And, of course, that's assuming that you're done watching Star Trek Picard, which premiered today. We will be talking about that episode next week. So if you want to share your opinions or views on Star Trek Picard, uh, give us a call next week. We'll be talking about that. But tonight, we're going to be talking about Strange New Worlds, the Illyrium Enigma issue number one and number two. And these are kind of filling in what happened at the end of season one leading into season two. And that's what we're going to be chatting about tonight. But wait, there's so much more. We also have some Star Trek news to cover. A Lower Decks and Discovery are both nominated. Uh, Prodigy may be getting a movie. And you ever wonder why Scotty is Scottish? Well, all those questions and so much more are going to be answered here tonight. And we also have our convention calendar and Star Trek birthdays as well. We're going to have a lot of fun, so you want to hang out with us for the next couple hours. Before we get started, though, I want to introduce my Trek spurts, and we'll start off with our very own Paul. Paul is the toy guy slash wine guy, and he's out in Portland. How you doing, Paul? I'm doing good, my friend. I'm doing great. Yeah, a lot going on. A lot going on. And today's kind of like a... Today's kind of like the Christmas morning of uh, Star Trek viewer fandom, right? We got a, uh, Most of us, I think, are waiting until after this show uh, tonight to go watch uh, a very exciting new episode that has been uh, much, much anticipated. So it should be a great, uh, great evening all around, but an awesome time to get together and talk about Star Trek. Now, Paul, do you watch The View? Spock, I'm too busy to watch network television. I don't have cable in my house. We severed that umbilicus long ago. We don't okay. mess around with well, that. There's too much estrogen on that show for me, Spock. I can't watch it. So well, I have enough estrogen that, in this house as it is. Okay? okay. That is fine because you can go uh, to my Facebook page. Whoopi Goldberg had this uh, set up 10 forward, and she was wearing her, her guiding gear. And she had the cast on to talk about Picard season three. 
I shared Michael Dorn, Gase McFadden, Sir Patrick Stewart, and Jonathan Frakes on. And uh, it was a blast It's um, to see them cool. all together. It was a lot of fun. And uh, I posted that link on my Facebook page. So if you didn't get a chance to see it, you can check it out. It was it was a really fun interview, uh, especially with her. Am I going up. to the Trek Talking Facebook page, Jim, or going to your own personal Facebook page? It's on both. It's on both. Ah, um, excellent, my, excellent. Uh, so uh, check it out. It's 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 short. It's only like I don't know. It's ten minutes maybe, but it's a good interview. It's fun. Cool. The it's promotional juggernaut is in full swing, my friends. I'm telling you. I, I got up this morning, and he and Patrick Stewart was on Good Morning America. Uh, they're all over the place, but the one the view with Whoopi dressed up as Guinan was was a lot of fun. So, anyways, uh, also hailing from Portland, we have our very own Eric. How you doing tonight, Eric? I am doing fantastic. Uh, this podcast is a great way to kick off my night of Trek, and yeah, I absolutely plan on taking in episode one of season three later on tonight. I'm so excited about it. All the press has been so good. All the people are saying it's so good, and uh, I'm just like chomping at the bit. I can't wait to see it. So yeah, I'm doing good, kind of hyped up and energized tonight, feeling good. It's a good time to be a Trekkie, that's for sure. And also, last but definitely not least, we have our very own Charles, and Charles is out in Las Vegas. How are you doing tonight, Charles? Uh, I'm doing good. <clears throat> Weather's fluctuating. It's been a long day, but I'm home. I can put my feet up, talk some Trek, and go watch some Picard later. You want to talk about fluctuating weather? Yesterday, yesterday, I was up on the roof at work changing some filters on an iron unit, and it was 55 degrees, 55 degrees. Today, we're expecting an ice storm. The temperature just plummeted. It just, just nosedived. It just right down the, right down the toilet. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Mother Nature. Oh, yeah. We a little, had... bit of, little bit of false spring there. Uh, she's oh, yeah. she's on had, crack cocaine. We had 60s last weekend. Uh, Tuesday, our high of the day was about 53. That was at, I'm not sure if it was officially at midnight or at 10 a.m. But it dropped yeah. by mid-afternoon to uh, 40s. It's crazy. Absolutely yeah. crazy. But But we have a lot of Star Trek to talk about, and we're entering a really we're entering another golden age of Star Trek because from what I'm hearing, we are going to have like 50 consecutive weeks of new Star Trek every single Thursday because uh, from what I'm reading, Paramount kind of unofficially announced that uh, Discovery would be starting after Picard. So Not doubling you know, up? Not, not from what I was, not what I was, I, I, I hope they don't double it up, but um, that Discovery Season 5 is going to pick up when Picard wrapped, and then we're going to see Lower Decks, Prodigy, Strange New Worlds, and that'll fill out all of 2023. So we're going to have another, another year where we have new Star Trek, bang, 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 which is fine with me. But anyways, before we get into that, we have a lot to cover tonight. Uh, before we get too far, we have to uh, have a little word from our sponsors, and we're going to start off with AlienCon. Con. 
Alien Con is back. Join us March 4th through 5th at the Pasadena Convention Center for a weekend of exploration and meet your favorite experts from Ancient Aliens, The Secret of Skidwalker Ranch, The Unexplained, and The Proof is Out There. Tickets at TheAlienCon.com. Eric, that is such a great spot. And uh, why don't you tell our listeners how they can pick up a pair of ticket weekend passes for AlienCon. You mean for free, Jim? Well, it just so happens that we actually have some free passes to give away. And the way that I know to best get those is to take yourself to any device that accesses the interwebs, type in trektalking.com, trektalking.com. And once you get there, uh, whether it's a phone or a tablet or a laptop or a desktop or uh, a, a wooden spoon, you should, in the lower right-hand corner, see a little microphone. And if you press that microphone, you can leave us an audio message. And all we want to know is, A, who are you? B, why do you love Star Trek? And C, how do we contact you? We won't talk about uh, – we won't – out the contact information over the air, but we'll we may share a little bit of that soundbite with the fans just so that they know that it's for real, man. You leave us a message, you get the tickets. That's how easy it is. But you got to tell us who you are, and you got to tell us how to contact you. Uh, we've had a couple messages, but no way to contact the people. So make sure you include that. Yeah, we had a couple great messages, but no way to get in touch with anybody. Now, when you click on that. Um, there should be a little thing that asks you for your contact information. The most important part is your email because these are digital tickets. I will email them directly to you, but you've got to leave us your email address. Otherwise, I can't send them to you. So please, 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 please do that. Don't forget your email address. So if you want to go to AlienCon, I've got some free weekend passes right here, but you've got to tell us how I can get them to you. So that takes care of, of AlienCon, our first um, sponsor. We do have another one. We have two, which is absolutely incredible, if you ask me. And what's so cool about the second sponsor is that I will be there. Well, Trek Talking will be there, me in particular. I'll be doing a couple of panels. And I'll be on stage with the Bonnie Gordon on Sunday talking about Star Trek Prodigy. And what, what pray tell, is Uncle Jim babbling about? Well, take a listen to this other excellent spot that Eric was so kind to put together for us. Trek Talking would like to invite you to attend Trek Long Island at the Hyatt Regency Long Island Hotel in beautiful Hopog, New York on May 20th and 21st, 2023. Trek Long Island will have a variety of guests, ranging from the original series to Discovery, Picard, Strange New Worlds, and beyond. Doug Jones, David Ajala, Oded Fayer, Franz Nguyen, Issa Briones, Evan Evagora, Raven Dauda, Sandy Gimple, Tanya Lamani, and Fumsil Satoli are just a few of the guests currently scheduled with more to come. Enjoy interacting with celebrities at guest panels or snag a photo op or autograph from your favorite actor. Craving the real stuff? Sit in on science panels with real scientists from NASA and accredited professionals in a variety of scientific fields. 
or take in a panel where we discuss how Trek's influence on diversity and inclusion has affected Trek fans and the rest of the real world. Love podcasts? We do too. Meet the people behind the voices from Trek Talking, The Sci-Fi Sisters, Strange New Pod, Women at Warp, Roy's Tie-Dye Sci-Fi Corner, and more. Don't forget to visit the vendor room where you will find exhibitors and authors, and where you can pick up an exclusive offering from Mego Toys. Purchase a general admission ticket or upgrade to the Q-Pass, which offers you preferred seating, early access admission to a VIP dinner and show with actress Bonnie Gordon, and more. Trek Long Island is a family-friendly event with many programs and activities, so bring the little tribbles with you. Let's beam Trek back to the East Coast with a bang. Just visit treklongisland.com for updates and to buy your tickets. We will see you out there. Engage. Did now, I hear you say Roy's Tie-Dye Sci-Fi Corner? Yes, you did. I just want to say that five or six times in a row. That is, uh, <laughs> that is so memorable. It's an amazing I think podcast. if you go to, to Trek Long Island, you're making a beeline for that booth. Because it's Roy's tie-dye sci-fi corner. I mean, I can't not say it. How can you? I mean, that's brilliant. Roy, whoever you are, sir, kudos to your nameology. That is a, that is a business I will be Googling. Roy's tie-dye well, sci-fi corner. They just added Barbara Luna. You guys know who she is, right? Obviously. Mm-hmm. Maybe. Uh, she's Secretary of Defense, right? Yes, she is. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> she is. She's going to be there as well. And, well, can't say. But there's going to be that there's another announcement that they're going to make. And he's an awesome, awesome character from Strange New World. That's all I can tell you, but I'm really psyched to meet him. So, at any rate, Paul, (laughs) if our listeners (laughs) wanted to get information on Trek Long Island and they wanted to find out how to get tickets, who's going to be there, where is where would they go to to get that information? Where's the easiest place for them to go? Well, you know, they just have to go to one place, Jim, and that's uh, TrekTalking.com. Because that's, that's the right. name of this show, right? I'm pretty sure. Am I on that <laughs> show? Trek, Trek Talking. Very. <laughs> so of course you'd go to TrekTalking.com. You would not need to. You could go to a Facebook page called TrekTalking.com. But that, you know, why not do that? We could just go to the original. Uh, web url as they say uh, as the young people say and you could go to the facebook page from there it all connects you can leave a crazy message and win your alien con tickets you can uh, uh send a risque message to barbara luna you can do whatever you want from trektalking.com it's perfectly fine that's right and and it's it's so easy as well and when you get there the best part is when you get there you'll see sponsors you'll see all the information on alien con you'll see all the information on trek long island but you will also see in the upper right-hand corner the little, the little blue F, which stands for Facebook. And if you click on that, that will bring you to this awesome Facebook page, which happens to be Truck Talking. And Wait a minute. You say the- F stands for Facebook? Yeah. <laughs> can you believe that? <laughs> Not in my lexicon. That's incredible. <laughs> and that's, that's, that's I thought F was something else. Well, not, uh, uh, Z-Wiz, right? I, I don't know. I, family, right? We're a family show. Isn't that what we're talking about? No? It was even better. 
But when you get there, Tritata. Okay. <laughs> I don't want to slow us down. We need to be moving. We're stuck in impulse uh, drive here. Joe. We are. We need to move it up. We're past nine at least. Let's go. Frito Lay. Let's get out of the out of the dock. My God. Right on the top of the page, you see a pin the top. Live long and prosper. And on that on that post, we just want to know where you're listening from. It's pretty simple. And you just just stop in there and tell us where you're listening from. And if you see a heart next to your name from yours truly, Uncle Jim, that means that your name is going to be featured on a future fan shout out. And that's a cool thing because everybody around the globe will know that not only are you a Star Trek fan, you're a Trek talking. So with that in mind, Eric, you want to get us started with our fan shout outs? I definitely do. One of my favorite parts of the show. I love to say hello to people all over the world. And our very first fan shout out this week goes out to Genesis Who from Taipei, Taiwan. Oh man, you guys, some really cool buildings there. And as an architect, it's a place that I would love to go because I can't even fathom the scale of some of that stuff. Thank you so much, Genesis, for saying hello to us and for supporting us way over on that side of the planet. Also saying hello and sending out a big kapla to Jeremy Dabrowski who's saying hello to us from Bone on the Sea in beautiful France. I know that's a place Paul wants to go. Jeremy, thank you so much, and I hope that you are enjoying a nice cheese and perhaps a glass of, uh, of wine right now. Saying hello and live long and proper to Laird Michael McCarthy, who says hello to us from Corby, a little Scotland, England. Laird, thank you so much for saying hello, and good day to you. And then we're also saying hello this week, my final fan shout-out, to Helen Yelb from Israel, those awesome countries. I would also love this. Uh, you're amazing, and uh, your people are pretty cool, too. Helen Yelb, saying hello to you. Charles, I know you've got some people you want to say hello to. Oh, definitely. Let's start off with Perry Baumberger in Omaha. Everett Lynch in Texas. <clears throat> Thomas Nicholas in Lexington, South Carolina. And top fan Chuck Matheny from Granger, Indiana. David. Oh, I don't see David. I guess I'll go to Paul. Hey, this is Paul. Do I have to be David? Can I be me? I want to be me, man. Come on. Let me just do my thing. I'd like to send a gigantic, colossal, humongous trap talking kapla to top fan Andre Mueller, who is saying hello to us from and in Leipzig, Germany. Absolutely spectacular part of the universe there. Almost dead center, uh, right above uh, sort of midway between like Frankfurt and uh, Poland, if memory serves. But uh, fantastic place to live. Absolutely amazing. So it, top fan, you got to know it, right? So absolutely great to hear from you, Andre. Uh, live long and prosper, sir. Now, this next one is from Belfast, Northern Ireland, a little bit further afield from Germany. Jeff Hunter, not Jeffrey Hunter, the famous actor. I believe he's deceased, but apparently he may still be uh, contacting us from beyond the grave. Or No, I think this is a different spelling. I could be mistaken, but Jeff, wherever you are in Belfast, sir, it's great to hear from you. And you've got a name you should wear with pride, my friend. So it's wonderful to hear from you there in Belfast. 
And then we are going to spin the globe and uh, fly over closer to the equator to Osorno, Chile, where the Chilean flag is billowing proudly in the wind. And say hello to fan Raul Diaz Fernandez, who is saying hello to us from Chile. Absolutely fantastic to hear from you, Raul. Thanks for being a fan and for loving all things Star Trek. And finally for me, in that relatively nearby same neck of the woods in Nicaragua, it's Abby Steinmetz-Burke who's saying hello. I hope wherever you all are, fans, you are ready for some serious, exciting, pivotal Star Trek in the weeks to come, because my feeling is you're going to get it. Thank you all for being part of our community and for taking time to say hello. It is always wonderful to engage with you. Uncle Jim, take it away. You know, I love this part of the show because, you know, Star Trek is global, and this just lets you guys know when you're listening to us, uh, whether you're in Massachusetts or, you know, anywhere that fans all around the globe are listening and doing the same thing that you're doing. And I think that is so cool. So first of all, I want to say hello and thank you to Michelle McDonald, who's listening to us in Niagara Falls, Wheatfield, New York. Um, You ever been to Niagara Falls? It's pretty cool. It's a water falling basically. Yeah. (laughs) Well, (laughs) well, Niagara Falls, saying Niagara Falls is water falling is like, uh, Star Trek is a little science fiction show, you know. <laughs> doesn't really, yeah. doesn't well, really do it justice. It's a lot as long of you're not going falls. over the falls. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> Last time I was there, the Canadian side is where it was at. There was American side was just a park, but the Canadian side had everything going on, so that was pretty cool. Um, we also want to say. Thank you to Mary Daisley, who's listening to us in Massachusetts, right here in the U.S. of A. Thank you so much for being a fan of Trek Talking, Mary. And we want to say kabla to Larry M. Johnston, who's in Grand Prairie, Texas. And uh, last, but definitely not least, top fan, Ann Boudreau, who's in northern Vermont, U.S.A., Northern Vermont, as opposed to Southern Vermont, which is where I'm at. Northern Vermont, maybe up the Mount Pelier, maybe. Um, Burlington, maybe. I'm not sure how far north, but if you go any further north, you'll be up in Canada. So um, thank you, Anne, for listening right here in my home state of Vermont. As I said, if you guys want to be on our uh, fan shout-outs, Charles. How would our fans get on a fan shout-out? Well, they can either go to trucktalking.com or just go directly to our Facebook page. Look for the top pinned post about where are you from and let us know where you're call hailing from. And if you get a heart by your name from Truck Talking or Uncle Jim, then you may very well appear on this list next time. That's right. And wear that badge with pride and dignity. So, and uh, before we move on to our Star Trek birthdays, we do have a caller on the line. We have a fan, a live, honest to goodness fan who called Trek Talking at 646 668 2433. Which any of you guys can do right now, and uh, we're we're going to answer the phone, and we're going to see who this is. But I have a feeling I know who it might be. 
If my thing will connect. Come on. There we go. Hey, good evening. Thank you for calling Trek Talk. And what's your name and where are you calling us from tonight? Hello? Are you there? I thought I got a sense of the Bronx. Wasn't it? Didn't we sense suddenly that the borough of the Bronx? It it was. That's what I'm feeling. I'm doing a seance here, trying to reach out and connect. I'm I'm getting a mute button. I'm seeing a mute button. I'm seeing a, a, a tablecloth. I'm seeing a tablecloth? No, I don't know what I'm seeing, but uh, but I'm not I'm not getting we're not getting through to you, caller. Call us again. No. I hope or, I hope Ray gives us a, a call backup back. caller. Or it's a backup caller of one of our hosts who's got a choppy connection. That could be. And sometimes the host can't see the chat that's going to know what's happening. Uh-huh. <laughs> a look on it. All right, guys. People. That was a zing. That that sounded like a zing, Fred. <laughs> We're all frisky today. Look out. It's, uh, you know what part of the show it is now? It's time for Star Trek birthdays. You know, he says that every week. You would think that he would learn by now. So every week, guys, we do our Star Trek birthdays. And we always like to start off our Star Trek birthdays by remembering those members of our Star Trek family who, sadly enough, are no longer with us. And for that, we turn to Eric. Yeah, Jim, this week we have seven members of our Star Trek community who have gone before us who would have had birthdays. The first is the wonderful electrifying Dame Judith Anderson, Anderson who played Talar, the Vulcan princess, in Star Trek III, The Search for Spock. Um, I love her for so many reasons. Obviously, uh, she's a dame. That's right. She was damed by the British Empire back in 1960. She's one of the 14 Star Trek in the 19th century, and she's the only one who never appeared in the original series. So that's your little bit of trivia you can share with your friends uh, from track talking. That's right. Um, she was born Frances Margaret Anderson Anderson in Adelaide and uh, has won two Emmy Awards, a Tony Award, and was nominated for a Grammy Award and an Academy Award. Um, did several things in her career. We don't need to but you can go to IMDb, but I will say that she was absolutely well-known for at least two things. Um, in addition to her being a, a great stage actress, she was known as the sinister housekeeper Mrs. Danvers in Alfred Hitchcock's 1930 thriller Rebecca, and was also known for her three-year stint in the 80s on the soap opera Santa Barbara, uh, which my mom was a big fan of, and I definitely saw those episodes kind of against my will, but what can I say? <laughs> So, Dame Mom, turn Judith it off. Anderson. Turn it off. Yeah, turn it off. Oh, no, wait. Oh, this is kind of interesting. <laughs> so that's what that means. Oh, my God. Right. <laughs> Dame Judith Anderson would have had a birthday uh, just last week. Happy birthday and lots of love and remembrances going out to Talar the Vulcan. 
Also saying a uh, happy birthday and sending out lots of love to Barry Ingram, who played Danilo Odell in uh, the TNG second season episode, Up the Long Ladder. Uh, he was one of many actors who, of course, originally considered for the role of Captain Jean-Luc Picard, so it could have been Barry Ingram, but it wasn't. But he did have a very long career spanning over five decades, um, doing tons and tons and tons of guest appearances on shows like and Murder, She Wrote, and things like that. And in fact, Charles, you'll be excited to know that he actually crossed over into our other favorite franchise. He was in Doctor Who in a couple of different episodes, ah, The Myth Makers, cool. and Doctor Who and the Daleks, uh, both in 1965. So, so uh, back in that original series uh, era. Um, I have heard, pray tell, tale of this, but I have never seen it myself. I guess there's a season two blooper reel him with Patrick Stewart, uh, Gene Roddenberry, and Mike Dorn all singing uh, heartily Fill the Fluter's Ball. I do not know that song, but it sounds hilarious, and I think I need to get that blooper reel. Ingram performed a great deal of theater. He was the winner of the Honorary Associate Artist and the Royal Shakespeare Company, uh, Australian Theater Distinguished Actor Award and the Drama Logue Award for the best performance in a Broadway musical. So Barry Ingram, very talented. Would I have birthday last week? Happy birthday and remembrance is going out to Barry. Also saying happy birthday to Paul Comey, who played Lieutenant Styles in the TNG first season episode, Balance of Terror. Uh, Styles, one of those uh, iconic characters from that episode, I would say, uh, started acting back in '57 and continued all the way to 1995, making about a hundred television guest appearances. And guest appearances in about 20 movies. Um, Such a great role, man. I mean, that is just like, you know, you amazing role that guy did. Really, really great. I mean, that's, you know, the really showing the, you know, somebody who starts off as like, a, you know, a racist bad guy, but becomes mm-hmm. humanized by the end of the story. Really great Character story. Character arc in one episode. I love it. Love it. Yeah. Fantastic, Paul Comey. Um, if you want to see him elsewhere, go see Conquest of Planet of the Apes, go see Towering Inferno, go see Death Wish 2. Head all the way up to 1986 and go see Howard the Duck. He's in that, too. So Paul Comey would have had birthday that. last week. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, there's a, there's a time and place for Howard the Duck. <laughs> I've never been that high, dude. There's no way. Yeah, Happy birthday, I'm a sober Paul guy. Comey. <laughs> We're also saying happy birthday this week to uh, the wonderful actor Richard Lynch, who played Ark Garan yes. in the TNG seventh season episodes Gambit Part One and Part Two. Uh, another fantastic actor who's been around the way. Uh, I did not know that he was the older brother of a fellow Star Trek TNG guest star Barry Lynch, who played Deceive in the uh, season episode Face of the Enemy. Um, what I do know is that he was heavily involved in theater back in the days. The Berkshire Theater Festival in Massachusetts, where he met actually a young Ron Perlman and would actually inspire Ron Perlman to do a lot of the things that he did in life um, simply by his presence and by his like work ethic and that kind of stuff. And in fact, uh, Ron Perlman now considers him a longtime friend and, and inspiration, which I think is pretty cool. Um, we've had him on the podcast before, and Richard Lynch, I guess, is a good friend of his. Um, he made his film debut way back in 1973, 
but he has a, just a ton, over 90 film and television appearances, most of which are in that science fiction and horror genre. Um, you know, you can read down his IMDb list. I know that he was present for uh, pilot episodes on third and fourth seasons of Starsky and Hutch when it comes to television. I know he was on guest appearances of lots of television shows. Battlestar Galactica. Battlestar Galactica, Bionic Woman. I mean, the A-Team, which was one of my favorites. And in fact, what I did know was that he was in a 1998 thriller called Shattered Illusions with guess who, Jim? Spice Williams. Richard Lynch and Spice Williams crossover. So next time we have her on the podcast, maybe we should ask her uh, if they got to meet. Hopefully they did. Richard Lynch would have had a birthday this week. Happy birthday, Richard. Also saying happy birthday to Susan Oliver, who played the original Vina in the episode mm-hmm. The Cage if you've seen Strange New Worlds why I say the original Vina um, Susan Oliver uh, just a great looking actress um, what I didn't know was that before she was cast as Vina she took another acting assignment which apparently really exhausted her and then it actually took executive producer Oscar Katz coming to her while she was on a holiday in Hawaii basically begging her to come back and film part of Vina and there are some great stories, um, including a documentary about her life entitled The Green Girl that you can watch that gives more information on that part of her life, which I think is really interesting. I also know that she wasn't a dancer uh, before playing Vina, but she kind of leading up to that episode trained with a choreographer every day of the week, uh, which I guess is something Major Barrett Roddenberry also did, which I did not know. Um, I also know that Oliver was the test subject for the Orion makeup. Uh, they met her and they kind of tested out and figured it out on her body and then used where they used it. So um, Susan Oliver's contributions, not being just Venus, but myriads throughout the Star Trek universe. She also, I guess, wanted to direct an episode of TND while she was still alive, uh, but she never got the chance. Um, told she didn't know enough visual effects. Uh, but that really doesn't have anything to do with directing an episode, so questions as to why she never had a chance. But she is an Emmy Award nominate, not she received an Emmy Award nomination uh, for her performance in the three-hour 1996 NBC television movie Amelia Earhart. So I kind of go check that out too. Susan Oliver had a birthday this week on the 13th of February. Happy birthday, Susan Oliver. Happy birthday as well to. Yet another originator, Margaret Meg Gillespie Wiley, uh, played the Keeper, one of the very first delusions we see, the first delusion we see in the pilot episode of the original series, The Cage. Um, she was the first villain chronologically to ever appear in Star Trek, which is one little trivia thing you can use with your friends. Uh, and of course, had one of those careers that was long, five decades, 100 or more guests appearances in all shows, Twilight Zone and The Fugitive, and then leading into Love Boat and Mad Out in the 80s and 90s, and, and later on did lots of movies, was in another Alfred Hitchcock movie, uh, which a lot of the actors were, the 1964 thriller Marnie, and she was in the 1971 cult action movie Vanishing Point as well. Um, Sort of towards the twilight of her career uh, was in the Orange Birds, if you all remember that 1980 miniseries that was famous. So 
Margaret Meg Gillespie Wiley would have had a birthday this week on February 15th as well. And our very final remembrance this week goes out on an actor, but certainly someone who has influenced Star Trek uh, more than most, Jerry Goldsmith, the composer who wrote musical scores for not only um, the motion picture, and we've got a lot about that. He went on to do Star Trek V, First Contact, Insurrection, uh, Nemesis. He was the originator of themes for Voyager, and of course, uh, because of that uh, motion picture theme, he's the originator of the TNG theme as well. But, uh, I mean, there's so much we can talk about just Star Trek world, but then there's like his whole other world, which isn't Star Trek. It includes all of the movies, right? It includes like <laughs> the Logan Ross, the aliens, and right. I mean, just like all these things that he's done in his career, and it's just stunning the the depth and breadth of his career and the number of um, as I'm concerned, like unique sounding themes that he came up with in his career. Um, he was nominated for. Academy Awards, which he won one of. Um, he also won five awards and was also nominated for the 1980 Saturn Award for Best Music for the Motion Picture. I did not know that he started composing at the age of six and was studying composition by the age of 14. So uh, he, he started playing piano and composing little things by six, but then really started studying hard when he was 14. Started his career in the 1950s as clerk typist in the music department at CBS and eventually got to go and compose music for radio shows. And that's how he got into the biz, was through the radio show thing. Um, and got grabbed onto by everybody. Um, Roddenberry, you know, he was like, oh my gosh, this is the guy. This is the one I want to actually do my, my theme for my new movie. And he got the big... Um, I know you guys have a lot to say about Jerry Goldsmith, too. I'm just going to keep going on and on about him, but he, he's something else. He, he is. Uh, Logan's Run. He also did the music for Rambo. You guys remember those? Stallone movies. I think, what, there were six of them? I lost track. Quite a few. Uh, Planet of the Apes. There was another uh, World War II movie, kind of like um, Midway, uh, called Tora, Tora, Tora. That's a classic one uh, that I remember um, as well. Pat and Poltergeist. Oh, the, the Omen, man. I mean, the oh. Omen score is yeah. so influential, right? I mean, that is great. Really great uh, pictures like Capricorn One, uh, Boys from Brazil, uh, Ridley Scott Alien. Okay? I yeah. mean, that is, that is about as, you know, that, that's a cast a mighty long shadow. Uh Outland. I mean, so many. I think you just Jim said Poltergeist. I mean, he's just you know uh, some legendary uh, films. It's just such an influence, right? I mean, really, uh, you know, it, it's just it's what I mean. It's, you could do a whole show on this guy and not even scratch the surface. But uh, you listen to his soundtrack work, and it's just uh, it's so crazy influential uh eric mentioned well, i think one of the ones that's really important to remember is the original planet of the apes nobody had ever heard a soundtrack like that before it was uh, it was had a little bit of orchestral vibe to it but so much of it was just rhythmic uh percussive uh disc discordant sounds it was just really an unusual soundtrack for the day and uh, but it, it it's been influencing composers ever since so uh, an absolute li- living legend 
And uh, he's not dead. He, he, <laughs> yeah. So I can't really say living legend, but you know, when his time, I mean, there was just nobody more influential. Um, I mean, know, it's, it's like, this seems like one it, of those people who's still alive, just because his influence is so deep. We kind of deal with it every single day, and in so much of what we look at and listen to, right? Kind of like he he died in two thousand four. You guys, that was that was almost wow. twenty years ago, and it feels ago. like he it was yesterday. Like right? <laughs> yeah, you know, and he like did over two hundred fifty. You know, screen credits as a composer. I mean, go go watch Planet of the Apes. Just watch the scene where Taylor sees the gorillas on horseback for the first time, and that those horns come in, and it's just like it is. It's just warps your brain, man. That's what a great composer does: is he can go in there and he can meld in with the direction, the cinematography, and and evoke the entire mood of what a movie should be. You just cannot separate his score from what's going on on screen. Uh, absolutely phenomenal talent. Once in a generation, you get somebody like that. And, uh, and that cool. is why, that is why he does, he did the score, one of my favorite scores for Star Trek, the motion picture, the Klingon attack theme at the beginning of the movie. Incredible. Outstanding. And the V'ger, like V'ger talks through the soundtrack. Mm-hmm. <laughs> through the soundtrack. It's just, Absolutely incredible. The man was a genius, a, a sheer genius. I can't. And, and of course, of course, he did the soundtrack for Star Trek Five, one of the best movies in the Star Trek franchise, <laughs> which I'm talking about. So you guys can come to my panel and find out why Star Trek Five is the best Star Trek movie ever made. Come share Jim's pain. That's right. <laughs> Is that the that. name of your panel? That should be the name of your Share panel. Share my pain. Share my pain. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's perfect. Uh, sorry. Uh, well, uh, that does it for our remembrances, guys. Uh, that was a great discussion. So many heavy hitters, like we said this week, and so many people to remember so thank you to all of those actors who have gone before us and charles is going to kick off the party for those who are still with us right charles the I living well i'm gonna <clears throat> put this one together and say very happy to birthday to jade and nikita ramsey who play arcadia and sega in picard's episode Et to Arcadia Ego, part one and two. <clears throat> yes, they are twin sisters born about 15 minutes apart. <clears throat> Catherine Carroll played hardcore Fenton Mud's fiance, Stellar Grimes, in Star Trek Discovery's first season episode, Magic to Make the Sanest Man Go Mad. Magic to make the sanest man go mad. <laughs> it's like a tongue twister. A t- a t- yeah, a title that wants to make us go a little mad. <laughs> Hardcore? <clears throat> yeah. Then a couple of them I'm rather surprised Jim gave me, but I'm looking forward to these two. I'm going to start off with Kirk, Rod- Kirk Randolph Thatcher. He was the associate producer in Star Trek Four. Voyage home and played the music blasting punk on the bus 
in that movie. He was actually, I believe, uh, direct uh, direct assistant to Leonard Nimoy. He returned again in Star Trek and uh, Star Trek Picard to replay his role in the episode Watcher. He was also the narrator in Star Trek Short Trek, Atherin and Doc. Interesting that he also played a punk in Spider-Man Homecoming. So I guess he likes that kind of role. He is also a he is also a writer-director for the Muppets since I think about the late 90s, early 2000s. And one of his early roles I thought was interesting. He was a creature technician for Star Wars The Return of the Jedi. So he has been in the industry for a while, and he has some interesting history on the media page. And he also, uh, he also, Charles, he also wrote and played the song "I Hate You." Yep. Which yep from that movie from Star Trek Four. Original. Which is, he's also he is credited for that on IMDb as well for having an original piece of music. Yep. Actually did actually did it for his uh band that he was in at the time when he was actually working on Star Trek. <clears throat> and then my last one's an interesting one. Let's give a very warm happy birthday to Lavaris Robert Martin Lavar Burton, who played Jordy LaForge in Star Trek. And also a director in two episodes of TG, ten episodes of DS9, eight episodes of Voyager, nine episodes of Enterprise. I'm not sure why he's not directing anything currently on Paramount Plus. Also very well known for a lot of his work with a very popular show that ran for about I think 26 years on PBS a small series called Reading Rainbow that encouraged kids to read I know there were occasions where I would get home from work and it's like okay turn on the TV what do I want to see oh Reading Rainbow's on I'll go watch that and there's LeVar Burton off on the way, visiting another book. And now we're going to see him on Picard Season 3, along with uh, one of his daughters. We look forward to it. So, yeah, they, they, uh, more... they had a uh, Reading Rainbow special that, that he did on TNG. I'm sure you guys have seen it, where uh, he goes behind the scenes of the making of TNG and he shows you some of the special effects. And one of the things that sticks in my mind, which I don't know why I remember this stupid little fact, but I did, the shuttlecraft that flies past the Enterprise was actually two disposable Bic razors glued together and when it when they put when it goes by on the screen it looks so convincing it looks so good when they spruce it up but it was actually just a couple of 
disposable Bic razors. And I was like, wow, that's pretty cool. And I remembered it. That's what I learned from reading Rainbow. So <laughs> there you have it. <laughs> yep. Yep. So, Bic Paul, razors. who's on your list? All right. Thanks, Charles. Got all kinds of folks who are out there celebrating birthdays this week. Uh, who knows? Some of them may be out there celebrating birthdays this very evening. <laughs> who knows? First of all, a great big happy birthday, uh, Star Trek welcome to uh, Deep Space Nine alumni, Philip Anglim, who is best known to Star Trek fans for his portrayal of, let's get the title right, Vadek Barial Antos on Star Trek Deep Space Nine. Very prominent Bajoran spiritual leader right after the uh, Cardassian occupation. He was one of those cats who was in line to become the next Kai after Kaiopaka, but uh, there was all kinds of great stuff happening in there, very shenanigans going on, including uh, various affairs of the heart, if you know what I'm saying. So uh, lots of good uh, background information about uh, Vedic Bariel, a uh, terrific actor. Philip Anglim, we love you here on the show. So uh, great stuff. Uh, yeah. Prominent Cotton in making the... Of, uh, kind of did him in there. Yeah, but, but really a, a wonderful character to help really establish the complexity of who the Bajorans were and, uh, and really help make that society seem real. And very often uh, it's great to see how the Bajorans would be used uh, to mirror uh, and comment on events going on in the real world. And I think uh, his portrayal helped really establish what was possible with doing that. Uh, extremely, extremely cool. I am delighted to be able to wish a happy birthday, wherever you may be, to actress Sherry Jackson, who forever changed the way we look at androids. <laughs> forever. Thanks to her portrayal of Andrea in the original series episode, What Are Little Girls Made Of? (laughs) I think you you can all agree that that is a a striking depiction. Uh, No circuitry has ever been rendered more appealingly than than Sherry Jackson's portrayal on that show. Uh, Really great. And wow, Uh, she really goes out with, uh, you know, I don't know if you remember how Robert Shaw went out in... uh, Taking a Pelham one two three, she kind of chose a similar path there and uh, didn't go out alone. So pretty pretty remarkable role. Very very cool as are most of the episodes in season one of the original series. So Android, happy birthday to you, Sherry Jackson. And uh, next up, uh, an actor who still is working quite a bit. We see uh, this actor on fire all the time. Uh, super popular actor. I'm talking about Neil McDonough. Okay, uh, Neil McDonough, uh, we know, in Star Trek, from Star Trek First Contact, where he played that kind of cool new character, Lieutenant Hawk. We, I think we always thought, well, there seems to be positioning this guy to do more, but uh, things didn't work out like you thought with that character, right? But Neil McDonough's been in a ton of stuff, real striking-looking blonde individual with like piercing blue eyes. You totally know him if you've seen him before. Um, but he's done a ton of stuff. Uh, he was Dum Dum Dugan in the original Captain America movie uh, that was part of the Avengers cycle there uh, back in 2011. He was worked with uh, Tom Cruise and Minority Report. Um, he does a, a ton of stuff and a really uh, striking individual. Um, often gets cast as a bad guy, but plays the heroic lead uh, just as ably. So happy birthday to you, Neil McDonough. 
And I really dig this dude, uh, actor Farron Tahir. Okay, Farron Tahir. If you think back to uh, Star Trek 2009, right, the J.J. Abrams movie, when we first see that, who is that really intense-looking, bald captain of the USS Kelvin, right? He's just really intense-looking. He looks like uh, Molaram from, you know, Indiana Jones and the Temple of Dune. Well, that's Pakistani-American actor uh, Farhan Haroon Tahir, and uh, really tremendous uh, performer, uh, really striking in that intro- you really were like, whoa, who's this guy? But it's clearly when you see him, you're like, of course you give a guy like that command of a starship because he seems so formidable and just absolutely convincing in that role. Um, really, really cool portrayal. Um, I think the, the 2009 movie gets a bad rap. Uh, very often. There's a lot of really cool stuff in there, I think. And uh, definitely uh, a very brief role, but an incredibly memorable one from uh, Ferranta here. So really great. Uh, again, Captain Richard Robal is the uh, name of that character. So check it out if you haven't seen it in a while. Really, really cool at the front end of the movie. And finally for me, happy birthday go out to uh, one of the funniest people I think that is out there and uh, just a wonderful performer. Um, uh, absolutely. <laughs> that was not me. I promise. I'm always on mute when I'm not talking. <laughs> Jesus. And Happy birthday. Well, you know, there's this little button that has a thing and that's what you do. Um, this is good gravy. You just rattled my eggnog there, fellas. All right. Uh, kitty or pussy or whatever you prefer to be called. I'll leave that to you. Um, Simon Pegg is who we're trying to honor here tonight Simon Pegg who we know from the J.J. movies As Montgomery Scott In Star Trek the 2009 movie Star Trek Into Darkness And Star Trek Beyond Okay uh, Simon Pegg is, is fantastic And uh, it's really important To just acknowledge his work um, Star Trek Beyond From what I understand He's done quite a bit of writing In, in that uh, movie as well i think he may have the sole screen credit if i remember i mean uh, i think it might have been a couple other people worked there but i think he's got pole position as far as the screenplay on there but uh, a really dramatically uh, talented performer and writer um somebody who you just i think most folks who listen to the show know who simon peck is don't need me to tout his uh his credits uh currently uh doing a huge uh job in the Mission Impossible movies where we see him on there frequently, but uh, uh, a wonderful man and uh, somebody that we should be celebrating all the time. Um, Great comedians are a rare thing, an extremely rare thing, and I think we should celebrate them uh, when we see them, but uh, also, it's really great when you find a comedian who can uh, has the chops to really stand up and do an incredible action scene or a, uh, a dramatic role um, you can go to Simon Pegg, and he's gonna, he's not going to let you down. He's going to do a great job and pull it together and deliver. So awesome. And I hope we have not seen the end of you, Simon Pegg, in the uh, Star Trek universe. I hope that you are still considering uh, writing more Star Trek. I hope you are considering uh, that somebody hasn't completely scrubbed that cast from the Star Trek universe, because that's a great cast. And I don't think that they are quite done in my, in my book. I would love to see them make another picture and uh, show us what they can do again. Uh, maybe let Simon Pegg write it too, would be my advice. Cause this guy knows science fiction and Star Trek 
like there's nobody's business. And boy, does Uncle Jim have all the good ones he saved for himself. I'm telling you, well, when I see who he's going to do happy birthday to, I can't even believe it, especially this first guy. Right, Uncle Jim? Well, I wanted to do Simon Pegg because, but I gave him to you because he's in one of my favorite movies that just makes me fall off the couch laughing every single time I watch it, and that's the movie Paul. Um, I love it. I, it's a great movie as a sci-fi fan, as a Star Trek fan. It's a great movie, and I just I'm not familiar with Hot Fuzz, man. I, I I can't I can't control myself when Hot Fuzz is on. He is hilarious. Simon is just uh, he's a great actor, and uh, we're lucky to have him in the Star Trek family for sure. And speaking of Star Trek Four, there was a little story that popped up that kind of got buried with all the 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 hoopla over Picard season three and the TNG reunion and everything. And that is that the the writer and uh, or the one that was hired for the originally for Star Trek Four and walked away from Star Trek Four to go to Marvel to work on um, uh, one of the Marvel movies said that Paramount had bought his script and was still in the works of putting together the the right the writing room to refine his script and that Star Trek four with the Kelvin universe people was not completely dead and buried. So that was just a little story that I saw kicking around about Star Trek four since you, you know, you had mentioned it. So there's still, there's still a chance that we might see Stein and Peg and Chris Pine and the rest of them back together for one more movie. So here's hoping. Sweet. Uh, so uh, the first guy uh, that I want to say happy birthday to is just a plain, simple tailor. Nothing more, nothing less. Why anybody would suspect anymore, I don't know. But uh, Andrew Robinson, who played Elam Garrick on Star Trek Deep Space Nine, one of the richest characters, I think, one of the best characters, and his relationship with uh, Dr. Bashir was great. Um, he had some of the great, like, one of the best uh, scenes that I can think of that comes to mind is him and Quark. When uh, the Dominion is coming through the wormhole and Quark asks him to try root beer. And they have this whole conversation about how cloy and bubbly root beer is and how deceiving it is, just like the Federation. It's a, it's a great scene. And Andrew Robinson and, uh, and uh, Quark play really well together. So happy birthday to Andrew Robinson, Elam Garrick, a plain old simple tailor from Star Trek Deep Space Nine. Uh, the next one, I was, I was thrilled. Um, Trek Talking was invited to the Star Trek 55-year convention down in Las Vegas, and uh, I could not go. Um, I, ended up, I ended up getting sick and couldn't fly, so I couldn't go. So Charles manned our table at the convention along with the Leslie Hoffman. And who do you think was at the table right next to us? None other than the awesome Bobby Clark. You're saying, Uncle Jim, who the hell is Bobby Clark? Well, you actually do know who Bobby Clark is if you're a Star Trek fan because he was the Gorn captain from the TOS episode Arena, one of my favorite episodes. 
And Charles was kind enough to uh, get me an autograph or two from Bobby Clark at that convention. So happy birthday to Bobby Clark, uh, the Gorn captain from Star Trek Arena. And uh, it was my pleasure, Jim. It was. I mean, I was, I was devastated that I couldn't go, especially when I found out Bobby Clark was right next to us. So, uh, happy birthday to Bobby Clark. Uh, the next birthday, we, we seemed there was there was a lot of Star Trek three birthdays this week. I mean, a lot. Um, I had to stick with the one with the characters who we knew. Um, but just to, as a sidebar, uh, you remember the alien that talks to McCoy in the bar who kind of talks like Yoda, a ship you have, you want, we need that, that guy that talks with that crazy language. Uh, his birthday was this week, but he had no name. So I, I couldn't say happy birthday to the dude. Also the woman who was the bartender, the uh, waitress in that bar scene had a birthday. Again, she had no name and the captain of the ship that gets blown up at the beginning of the movie, the uh, pirate guy, it was his birthday as well, and he had no name either. So there were three other people from Star Trek Three: The Search for Spock, that had birthdays this week, um, but were unnamed characters. But this next character uh, had a name, <laughs> a name that we all know. Uh, Stephen Manley, he appeared as Spock at age 17 in Star Trek Three: The Search for Spock, and he gets to Ponfar with Static which is interesting. And I had to throw him in there because Eric, how many people have played Mr. Spock through the course of Star Trek? It's, it's been more than one. Uh, I believe, I believe it's 11. If, if my math is correct, 11 people have yeah. played Mr. Spock. 11 actors have played Mr. Spock and he is one of them. So happy birthday uh, to Stefan Manley who got the pond far with uh, Lieutenant Stavik. In Star Trek Three. As a side note, as a side note, mentioning Lieutenant Stavik, have you guys been following the Star Trek logs, which are released on Instagram about Star Trek? We always do the we were doing the Prodigy ones, and now they have a whole bunch of Star Trek logs leading up to Star Trek Picard, which premiered tonight. Did you guys happen? to listen to the log about the USS Titan. I posted it on our Facebook page um, if you didn't catch it. But the reason why I mention it is because before Captain Riker was put in command of the USS Titan, Captain Savick was the captain of the USS Titan. And the USS Titan served as the flagship of the Federation when the, before the Enterprise B was um, went online and was officially made the flagship of the Titan, which is pretty interesting stuff. And there's a lot more stuff in those Star Trek logs if you guys want to go to Instagram and check them out. So I just wanted to throw that in there. We also want to say happy birthday to Zach Galligan. And he's best known playing in Gremlins as Billy Pelcher. We just talked about Jerry Goldsmith writing the soundtrack for Gremlins. But in this case, we're going to say happy birthday to him as David Gentry from Star Trek Voyager's fifth season episode In the Flesh. I met him. I met him at a convention and uh, he was a pretty cool guy. 
So I had one of my Gremlins posters for me. Got a picture with him. Pretty cool guy. And we also want to say happy birthday to Christopher McDonald, who played Lieutenant Richard Castillo in Star Trek The Next Generation episode, Yesterday's Enterprise. Uh, he also was in Greece too. Uh, well, well, for those of us who might have seen it or not. So he did dance and sing in Greece too. But uh, here we're going to say happy birthday to him for hanging out with us in Star Trek Yesterday's Enterprise. One of the best episodes, I think, right up there. And uh, last but not least, I always, always, always save the Klingons for last. And tonight is no different. I want to say kabla to Nancy Youngblood, who played Kalana in the Star Trek Deep Space Nine seventh season episode, Once More Onto the Breach. And guys, guess what? That wraps up our birthdays. And uh, now it's time to talk about Star Trek Strange New Worlds, issue number one and issue number two of the Illyrium Enigma. And to kind of to set the mood for you guys to get us in the right frame of mind, I got to play the theme song. Space. The final frontier. These are the voyages of the Starship Enterprise. It's five-year mission to explore strange new worlds. To seek out new life and new civilizations. To boldly go where no one has gone before. That, if you haven't figured it out yet, is a theme song from Star Trek Strange New World. I, I do want to mention something. I don't know if you guys caught this or not, but they have the new Star Trek, um, I don't know what you call it, rainbow logo? I don't know what you want to call it. But before each series, the Star Trek logo comes up and we have a ship fly by. Did you guys notice that it's the ship of the series that you're watching each time that flies by the logo? It's a oh, yeah. Ship. I think we I think we talked about that because uh, it was introduced I believe with Strange New Worlds and then it came out on on uh, uh, Lower Decks after that or did it come on Lower Decks first yep. I can't remember it was one of those two it was first Yep and when you watch Picard you're going to see the ship change again so I think it's pretty cool that they have the logo 
and that they change the ship depending on the show that you're watching. I think that's pretty cool. So at any rate, time to talk about Star Trek Strange New Worlds, issue number one of a four-issue limited run. But I have a sneaking suspicion that we're going to be seeing more Strange New Worlds. But we'll talk about that later. So, Paul, do you want to get us started on issue number one, my friend? Yeah, absolutely. Happy to, man. Uh, So far uh, of this, I believe, projected four-issue series, we have two issues that have uh, streeted out here so far. Uh, We have, of course, no surprise because she's in here writing up a storm all the time. Uh, Kristen Beyer, along with Mike Johnson, who wrote this. And so they know the rhythms of the show intimately. Art in here is by uh, Megan Levins. Just mentioned that as well. Uh, so again, these are through the IDW publishing house who've done pretty much all of the current Star Trek things and, that we've seen there and doing a really good job of bringing additional storytelling uh, and weaving it into the fabric of the shows that are on the air, giving us little bonus insights, if you will. So we start off uh, with the kind of a bit of a flashback, kind of catching folks up, kind of, you know, to give little you know, highlights of what we've seen during the first season. Um, shouldn't be any kind of spoilers here, really, but just kind of how things came together. Um, you know, Spock and Dupring, that there was grief involving losing a member of the crew, and just the idea that, you know, reminding us that we're a family on the you know, crew of the Enterprise and that we've lost uh, a member of that family with uh, Una, number one, Una Chin Riley, being under arrest, kind of reminding us that she, she hid her uh, background of being an Illyrian, someone who's got you know, augmented DNA and been, you know, the product of genetic, you know, whatchamacallit, you know, let's not get too technical for God's sake, please. Uh, but, you know, the, so she's been, you know, pulled out of service as a result of that, right? And dealing with all these things here, um, you know, she was supposed to let Starfleet know because she had genetic modifications and she didn't. And we've seen on uh, 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 other shows Prodigy. recently. Prodigy. Sorry, was it? On Prodigy. Prodigy. Yeah, great example. Yep. Thanks. Uh, that, that this is something that's uh, showing up as a theme, right, uh, that they're dealing with on the show right now quite a bit. And I think it's a great theme because the idea is it's like, you know, by preaching this purity of genetics, right, I mean, it's almost – uncomfortably putting Starfleet in this position of almost like they're arguing for racial purity in a kind of, you know, Germanic sense almost, which is super uncomfortable given that we're supposed to be espousing the, you know, philosophy of inclusion of all folks. Right. So, so uh, it's becoming an interesting storytelling device to really look at uh, the idea of what is, you know, racism, what is acceptance, you know, what, where are we when it comes to bringing, scientific precepts to your you know individual dna and i think that's a lot of what you're trying to see them explore both on the show with this character what we see on prodigy and what we see in this comic so there's the background of that right on the comic we're kind of doing a little bit of getting caught up to speed um and basically we have uh, pike kind of being read a little bit of the riot act from you know admiral april back at starfleet saying you know don't get too involved here personally, dude. You know, this is, you know, you have your orders and you need to follow them, follow them as you will. And this doesn't sit well 
with Pike uh, because Pike is somebody who's, uh, you know, he does take everything very personally. He is a patriarch to his crew, right? He has personal relationships with them. He calls them by their first name, right? And, uh, and he's very much of the mindset that something needs to be done to uh, redeem the situation and uh, restore her good name, right? He doesn't agree with it. Right. And it's a it's a great seedbed for conflict because you've got a character who uh, has personal beliefs that are conflicting with what he's being told by the entity he's a member of are his duty. He doesn't he doesn't agree with it. And so it's a great starting place for conflict. Right. Um, To the point that in this first uh, issue, um, he's got some mundane assignment that's supposed to be the routine next assignment. And he says, no, I don't think that's correct. Right. And some of the folks like the lower members of the crew are like, well, I don't know. It seems wrong because how can we trust her if she lied to us? Right. And it's just kind of like and it almost seems like somebody, you know, kind of putting up a racist defense, really, in terms of the allegory of the story. Right. And uh, and they're concerned, well, if we support her, are we going to be her accomplices? You know, what's the situation with that? And of course, it is you look to the person who's leading you to decide that. Right. And, uh, and so that falls on Pike. Right. And uh, while there may be a ban on genetic engineering uh, that doesn't get in the way of your, uh, uh, you know, your personal feelings, you can't control those, especially if your personal feelings are about your ethics and what you feel is right, which is a classic Star Trek setup. Right. So they decide that they need to investigate this more. Right. And uh, the, you know, chapels found out that there's, uh, if I remember correctly, there's an Illyrian colony nearby. And while that's something that uh, visitation of is not something Starfleet is going to look kindly on, they decide to do it anyway. So they basically decide to go ahead and venture out to this colony to try to see if they can uh, uh, contact them. I think there was something about a, a distress call, too. I think it was a bit of a smoke screen, if I remember on there, but uh, they're trying to hail them and they end up speaking to somebody who's a, a governor of this colony, right? And he's got the usual look that you see on like Deep Space Nine where he's got the kind of, you know, wrinkled forehead makeup appliance, right? Which kind of fits that whole thing there. And we're reaching out to you to try to see what can go on, uh, but things don't quite end up as they should. Right. Things aren't quite as they seem there. And they're like, wait a minute. And Navora suddenly kind of leans over and says, uh, Captain, the governor we're talking to, he's not. It doesn't seem to us like he's talking from the Illyrian colony. He's talking to us from someplace else. So there's some shenanigans going on there. And when they finally do reach this colony, which is similarly named Prilia, which sounds kind of like Illyria, um, they are suddenly surrounded by seemingly uh, aggressive asteroids with high energy being uh, readings, which seem like they're a defense mechanism uh, for this particular colony planet. And they start surrounding the ship. They are surrounding uh, the enterprise and right as they're trying to figure out what comes on, all of a sudden the uh, governor of this uh, colony comes on and he's like, you will not be going anywhere, Captain Pike, until uh, our Illyrian comrade, Una Chin Riley, is freed. And that's how the first issue wraps up. And I'll let somebody else tackle issue two.
Well, before we do that, though, I got to say that I found this issue to be outstanding. Um, I I read it in the in the voices of the characters. Yeah, um, they do a great job. It's, it's something that I think you can always count on Kristen Beyer for is she's got the ear for dialogue, right? She knows the way these people talk, and everybody has a certain style. Especially, uh, she does a great job of uh, capturing Pike. I gotta agree with you that Pike has certain rhythms and kind of this folksy way of, of talking about things and it really comes across there. And so super reads like a script. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Dude. Yeah. Yeah. She's got a great ear for dialogue and character. Uh, really terrific. Uh, should come as no surprise. Uh, but uh, yeah. So you really feel like you're watching an episode. I mean, I don't know how much of these comics is going to end up uh, being filler backstory in the actual episodes. I mean, we don't really know that they may completely go a different way and just kind of, you know, uh, but it's but it's fascinating stuff, it, and it certainly feels like kind of a lost episode, which is cool. It, it does. It, it reads like an episode, and the artwork is absolutely phenomenal. It, it's real. I mean, these characters look like the characters, not kind of, sort of, but they look like the characters, and it does. It reads like an episode, and I, I'm not surprised because the discovery stuff that that she was involved in. Uh, particularly the light of Kalas, but felt like an episode when we read it originally. And this one is no different. Uh, the artwork is great. Have we ever tried to get her on the show, Jim? No, no, I haven't. I, Cause I she's have done not. so many stories in the Star Trek universe. She'd be a fabulous get. I would love to get her on. Well, I'll see what I, if I can, uh, I'll work on it. I'll see what I can do. She's pretty busy. But <laughs> she's got time to chat with folks. But man, she's great. Uh, she's well, I, I, book, I thought it was phenomenal. It was a great story, and it fit in exactly with what we saw on Discovery. It didn't go off on some tangent somewhere. It actually felt like an episode and like it would fit right in there. So I loved it. I, I, I highly recommend it. Um, and I, I give this book a nine. For sure. Absolutely. What about you, Eric? Uh, yeah, I'm right there with you guys. I think uh, I mirror everything you've said. I think the art is like uh, a unique style that we haven't seen before. I, I haven't had a chance to go back and see if Megan Lenz has done other stuff, but I don't recognize this art style. And I do read an off-book comic, so uh, I haven't read other stuff if she's, if she's done some. Uh, but great art. Um, and yeah, the writing is of course top notch. I mean, we've kind of already said it. favorite characters, I guess I'll say are Johnny Ortega's, um, just the way that she kind of interjects these things is just like they write her on the show, which I think is great. Uh, with nurse chapel where she kind of like tells the guy that's hanging out with her friends that engineering needs him and she fakes him into leaving just so he can have his chair. <laughs> I thought was hilarious. And I like the fact that she then is just like kitschy and that kind of stuff. She's super smart. She's the one that kind of like starts thinking about, you know, what can we, what, what more can we get out of the DNA we do have and, uh, you know, how can that influence our knowledge about the Illyrians in general? So I thought that was great. The Illyrian that they run into, that they talk to the screen over the or whatever, he looks just like the ones from Enterprise. So I, I got to believe that that's their kind of like standard look. And then Illyrians that we see that don't look like that are the ones who have used heavy manipulation, to my guess. Um, 
And I always like the fact that just like Star Trek, throw in a lot of logs. Um, so this one has some great like Captain Pike log, the introspective one at the end, as well as the one that's at the beginning that kind of sets up the story. So um, yeah, great book. Yeah, I, I give it a nine. Yeah, this is a great series so far. It's, it is enjoyable. <clears throat> How about you, Charles? Is Charles there? Uh, I'm here. Yep. Definitely, I'd say a, definitely I'd say a good book. Okay, one of the characters that kind of fits in is Ambega's talking, and he says, "Well, I didn't especially approve church map, church chapels." extracurricular investigations commander's DNA, I agree. So it's like, okay, I didn't actually say she could do this, but it's like, but I support exactly what she does. And that shows a good lead doctor that he backed his crew. Uh, We didn't mention the fact that uh, Pike promoted... Spock to number one. And Spock kind of like permanently, no, we know it's temporarily because we want our crew member back. And Spock easily agrees to fits fits Spock very well. Captain even announces over the intercom what's going on and lets the crew do it. And we see flashes of different crew members. So we get a good feel of a Star Trek episode and how they would do episodes like Strange New Worlds or as such Star Trek in general. And really reading this one was one that's like, okay, you got me hooked. I want to know what's going to happen. And Paul and I were in chat, I think, one day and both got a chance to read it. And both, was, Oh, yeah. Very good first issue. Can't wait for number two. I'll go right up there with the guide and say I'll go with a nine myself. And while we're on the subject, you want to lead us right into issue number two, Charles? All right. Just got to get number two loaded. And back up. Page one. <clears throat> okay. <clears throat> right into it with, uh, I believe, another Byers Johnson with Megan Levins doing the artwork. I think it's the same group doing the second episode. So we get a Sp- Spock log on what's going on as the asteroids are getting attracted to the ship and damaging the deflectors and the shield. And they're all kind of like, okay, shields are going down. What do we do? As the asteroids keep trying to keep impacting the ship. And suddenly Spock gets an idea and says, well, if... They're magnetic, and the magnetic's trying to attract to the hull. Why not we work on changing the polarity of the ship and reversing the magnetic field? 
And it's like, okay, it's a, huh, as Bike says, I love theor- I love theor- uh, theoretical. Let's do it. So Spock, who shows a little bit of emotion in this spot, they're able to deflect the magnetic asteroids and are able to recover the ship, which then hiding in the asteroid field is an enemy enemy Illyrian ship, which isn't a mo- too much of a modern ship. And even though they fire on the Enterprise, it's rather easy to flip around and damage their ship just enough to shut them down, to pause them. Conversation going. And they do admit at one point they were the Enterprise may not be the greatest ship to discuss with the Illyrians because... <clears throat> The NX-01 did have some incidences with the Illyrians that may not have the best outcome. But they finally agree on... The Illyrian finally agrees to coming in and allows Pike and Spock to beam aboard his ship, personal quarters, they discuss a little bit and say there is some possible entry they could retrieve from one planet that is a tomb but states the fact that it's almost an impossibility to go on the planet because it being so acidic it'll chew through any kind of armor kind of agrees to it and all of a sudden finds himself being back to the Enterprise. But Spock is forced, is kept there. And Pike's, of course, like, we got to go save Spock. Not before the Illyrian ship goes straight to warp where they can't track him. So they're going to try to trace to figure out where they went And elsewhere, we learn something's – the Illyrians are using some kind of method to modify Spock. And we don't know the full details, but somehow there's a legend that a Vulcan will save his planet. And that leaves us right to the end and makes us really wonder, okay, what's going to happen next? Stay tuned, issue three. <clears throat> another great ep- another great issue. Another great issue that you felt like you felt the felt the fe- felt the emotion and feeling of the crew. Spock had some emotional outbursts in there that we know come up. He usually likes to hide them, but we do admit they do come up on occasion. And I'm gonna double down on this one and say this is another nine what do you think Eric yeah I especially like what you're just talking about there Charles with this issue in particular playing a lot with the inside voice and outside voice of Spock Um, and I thought it was cool that they just did graphically one tiny little thing his log 
has a blue background because he wears a blue shirt. And Pike's log last issue had a yellow background because he wears a yellow shirt. So that's to keep track of who's talking. But in this one, you kind of get his inside voice where he's saying, chill out, Spock, keep yourself composed, tensions high, things like that. And Ortega's is like, yeah, he's the cucumber all the time. So I kind of like that that inside thing that you only get from the show because Ethan Peck is such a good actor and he portrays it. But here in the comics, it's kind of like you get to explicitly hear what's happening in their head without there being some kind of voiceover or something like that. So I really, I really like that. Um, yeah. You you could tell kind of right from the beginning. I mean, everybody knew there was going to be some kind of bait and switch here, right? They're not going to open. <laughs> they're not going to welcome with open arms necessarily. So, like plot-wise, it's a little predictable. That's not to say that I didn't enjoy it. Certainly did, but you sort of knew they were going to get caught, and um, it was nice that they were actually able to come to terms with the bad guy so quickly, even though he turned against them after that. Um, and I'm fascinated by why it had to be a Vulcan, you know. I mean, prophecies are a dime a dozen, too. But um, the fact that the Illyrians specifically had a thing about Vulcans in their lore, I think that's pretty interesting. Um, and here in this last panel, Spock's looks like it's maybe, I don't know, stone or something. It looks all cracked and hard and colored cool blue. So... Uh, can't wait to see what issue number three brings. Uh, it's another nine for me. What about you, Paul? Yeah, I would say for both of these, I'd, I'd give I'd give the the series so far a nine. Um, you know, I, I, I'm a little reluctant to uh, assess all Illyrians based on this, you know, kind of fakakta governor guy because he's just, you know. I, he's he's kind of a one-dimensional guy. I'm not really sure what his whole thing is. You know, he's 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 a little generic uh, in terms of a character compared to the the, the characters from from Starfleet. So uh, I'm hoping that he's not. I'm hoping he has higher motives for what he's doing. Right? I mean, I mean, every bad guy thinks he's the hero of his own story, right? But but I'm I'm hoping that he's you know, when he's doing something to against his will, right? Anytime you do something to someone's person against their will, as we've seen in this second issue, that's pretty hard to forgive. And it's pretty hard to justify, right? It's like, is he trying to do something to Spock so he can sort of gain empathy of seeing things from an Illyrian's point of view? Is that what he's doing? I don't know. But regardless, it seems really hard to forgive this guy. Right. And I would like to think that we're not going to suddenly start seeing Illyrians as the next bad guy and that our perception of them has been wrong this whole time, that it's wrong for us to be skeptical of them, um, especially the way, you know, Megan Levins draws the, him in here. He's really drawn with bad guy body, body language. Right. This is posturing very Napoleonic. So I don't know. I'm, I until we, uh, you know, it doesn't change my rating for it. I still think it's absolutely great and super compelling. But it's just like, you know, you, you just messed around with Spock's DNA apparently without his say so, right? It's like ab abduct and abuse. So that's super hard to justify and forgive. So I don't know where that's going, um, but I'm hoping that he's not uh, emblematic of Illyrians as a whole. 
because I, I don't want to see them all look like this guy. I don't want to see them all be so uh, manipulative uh, as this guy appears to be. So, but you know, here's the deal. At the end of the day, we're all super excited and curious to see where issue three goes, right? I mean, that's how you did your job. So uh, we're, I think super exciting and eager to, to see where things go. Um, and I'm curious to see, will there be any connective tissue between like, say this guy's appearance and how uh, Illyrians are depicted in season two of uh, of Strange New Worlds, which you're going to get tons of, is my guess. So I'm super curious. Uh, uh, but a uh, good couple of issues. And i uh, always saying to folks, it's like if you've not gotten in, engaged with uh, what's going on with the IDW run of comics and Star Trek, you're kind of missing out on some really good storytelling. They got at least a half dozen great titles uh, coming out right now, and uh, you should definitely visit your local comic book shop and uh, or do the online thing uh, as your preference is, and check them out. Absolutely, I you know I, I give this one a nine, right right down the pike. I, it was right down the pike. Get it right down the pike. Anyways, boom boom. <laughs> I I enjoyed this one. I I think it it went great with the first one. You can tell it's the same writing staff because it's got that same feel. It, it, it just flows. It doesn't stop and then pick up later. It just it feels like one continuous story. And I kind of I I kind of chuckled. I was thinking, oh, it's Zombie Spock from The Walking <laughs> Dead, you know. <laughs> um, well, I, it's I, so funny because I I actually went to Stone probably because I'm in the throes of reading one of the most amazing science fiction trilogies ever written in my opinion the the broken earth series by nk jemison and it's all about like right now there's a lot of people with stone things going on so i automatically saw that <laughs> and plus something that would resist acid i guess too i'm thinking you know yeah I, I, you know i don't understand why the illyriums why they would need a vulcan i'm, I'm kind of with paul I don't, I don't get that connection um but I guess we'll have to wait and find out. I guess, you know, when you have a good, story, good writer, it keeps you on the edge and it keeps you guessing. So I guess that's a good thing. Unless we've had Illyrians who have worked on DNA of different species and they realize that there is one species that can reach a special modification that could allow somebody to walk on this planet with mo- uh, modified, and Vulcan might be the only one that's able to do it from all their research. And I also wanted to I wanted to address something that Paul had said earlier. We've only, well, technically, seen two Illyrians on all of Star Trek, and one of them I think was Retcon. Um, on Star Trek Enterprise, uh, Captain Pike steals the warp core from an, an Illyrium ship, um, and, and I, I don't think they were specifically pointed out as being Illyrians until after the fact. I, I could be wrong. No, 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 no. They they say Illyrian vessel in the episode. Yeah. In the episode, okay. So yeah. so other than other than an Una, those are the only other ones we've ever seen. But that doesn't mean. That that they all that they're all like that. We may have seen them before, but they just didn't identify themselves because they were in hiding from the Federation. So we may have seen them before. We just don't know it. 
But well, well, I enjoyed it. And this, I was going to say, this yeah. establishes that the the Illyrian bad guy here says, yeah, she's not the only one in Starfleet either. Yeah, that's a we key know. thing. That's a great reveal. Yeah. That's a very important plot point. Right. They're, they're, they, they're, they could be more of them. We just don't know. So I enjoyed it immensely, and I think they're doing a great job with it. And I'm really looking forward to seeing where they're going to take this in the next two issues. So that's a nine for me all the way. So, guys, uh, it's time for convention, convention, convention. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the first convention that we're going to be following this week is SARCON, uh, March 2nd through the 5th uh, at the Davis Conference Center in Layton, Utah. So SALTCON, go check that out in Layton in early March. Uh, that same weekend, if you're not Utah, perhaps you're in Ohio. CincyCon, same weekend, March 3rd through the 5th the Butler County Fairgrounds in Hamilton, Ohio. And we also have on the list Escapade 2023. Escapade 2023 is in uh, Los Angeles, California at the Embassy Suites by Hilton Los Angeles International Airport South, March 3rd through the 5th. Same old weekend. So we got the corners. We got Cali, Ohio, Utah. Paul, I know you have some more corners to cover. I got a bunch, man. I'm in a bunch. When uh, just you know, being mindful of the time, and we still have some new stuff. So I'm going to go through these fast and furious. First of all, I love this name of this convention more than anything else because it's Cardboard Con 2023 in Atlanta, Georgia. It's at various locations, kind of a movable feast of a con, if you will. It means Irish Pub there in Atlanta on March 4th, one night only. Rock and roll, Cardboard Con. You're going to see all kinds of folks dressed up in crazy costumes, cosplay using cardboard so imagine big cardboard transformers i think let your imagination run wild that's going to be a great one especially any con that begins in an irish pub i'm there baby so you want to go check that one out atlanteans then you can go down the road to little rock arkansas to not just another horror god 2023 great name there guys same day though so i hope you can drive fast march 4th at the holiday in little rock airport conference center right there in little rock arkansas and also on the same day, if you really can drive fast, you can go to Sunrise, Florida at the Sunrise Civic Center for Sunrise Comic Con 2023. All three of those cons, Florida, Arkansas, Georgia, all on March 4th. I'm going to go ahead and keep rolling, keep the momentum happening here. Um, in Allen, Texas, it's Retro Expo 2023, March 4th through 5th at the Marriott Dallas Allen Hotel and Convention Center in Allen, Texas. So all kinds of cool there. Retro Expo, you're going to probably find some cool back issue stuff old toys, all kinds of good stuff. That is what that name implies. Check it out. In Oman, Nebraska, at the Oakview Mall, March 4th through 5th, same uh, time frame. It's QuadCon, Omaha, 2023. A lot of things that I would check out there if I were you. This next one I am super intrigued by. In really, this is one of those ones where my spider sense says, ooh, good toys to be found here. New England Toy and Record Super Show. 2023. So you're going to have guys who are schlepping in all their old platters, all their old LPs, right? And a lot of old toys. And I can tell you because there's several toy companies that were based in the New England area. 
New England is a hotbed for finding really crazy, cool, old vintage toys, even some like old Kenner prototypes, all kinds of good stuff that you can find in these things. This is in Dover, New Hampshire, March 4th through 5th at the, are you ready for it? At the Elks Lodge, Elks Lodge 184 in Dover, New Hampshire. You're going to find all kinds of stuff there, right? And you're you're going to find everything. So if you're a New England toy collector, my gut says this is where you want to head. I bet you're going to find everything from like old major Matt Mason to Viewmasters to to old records you can barely even believe still play. So really sounds like a cool one. Dover, New Hampshire, March 4th through 5th. Passing the mic over. To Charles, what do you got there, buddy? Okay, keeping with that fourth and fifth, <clears throat> Vegas Toy Show, March fourth and fifth, the Ahern Hotel, Las Vegas, Nevada, Nerdy Gras, March tenth through twelfth, at the Atlanta Marriott Northeast Emory area, Atlanta, Georgia, and UF Expo. March 10th through 12th at the Roswell Convention Center and Civic Center, Roswell, New Mexico. Well, I guess that's going to keep being against Alien Con. Jim, who's on your list? Well, we're going to point out William Shatner Weekend. That's right, another William Shatner Weekend. July 7th through 9th at the Star Trek Original Series Set Tour, located in Ticonderoga, New York. August 18th through the 20th, at Treconderoga at the Star Trek Original Series Set Tour, also located in Ticonderoga, New York. The convention, however, is being held at the Ticonderoga High School. And you can look for yours truly, Uncle Jim. I'll be in the gymnasium, in my rubber head, sweating my butt off, as always. And I'll be doing a panel on why Star Trek V, The Final Frontier, is the best Star Trek movie And I'm going to be doing another panel on why Captain Michael Burnham is the best Starfleet captain. So you definitely don't share Jim's pain. (laughs) Share my pain. And last but not least, we've already mentioned this. We have Trek Long Island, May 20th through 21st at the Hyatt Regency, Long Island, in Hop Hog, New York. And now it's time for Hop Hog. Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. Incoming transmission. Enter authorization code. Command codes verified. Define parameters of program. Level 9 authorization required. Specify parameters. Transfer of data is complete. Black alert. Black alert. All right, Eric, you want to get us started with our Star Trek news? Absolutely. Star Trek lower nominated for an Annie Award, Discovery for NAACP, and GLAAD Awards. The International Animated Film Society announced nominations for the 50th Annual Annie Awards, recognizing the year's best in the field of animation. Star Trek Lower Decks was nominated for Best Editorial for the Season 3 at night. The editors nominated were Andy Maxwell, Zach Lomberg, Brandon Brocker, Paul Mazzotta. This is the second Annie nomination for Lower Decks. In 2021, composer Chris Westlake nominated for Outstanding Achievement for Music. The Annie Awards are scheduled for a live event on Saturday, February 25th at UCLA's Royce Hall. Lower Decks was nominated for Best Animated Series by the Critics' Choice Awards, but the show lost to Harley Quinn. 
GLAD, the world's largest gay, lesbian, bisexual, transgendered, and queer media advocacy organization, announced for the 34th annual GLAD Media Awards, honoring media for fair, accurate, and inclusive representations of LGBTQ people and issues. Star Trek Discovery was nominated for Outstanding Drama Series. This the fourth year Discovery has been nominated for this award, winning it last year for season three. The GLAD Media Awards ceremonies will be held in Los Angeles at the Beverly Hilton on Thursday, March 30th, and in New York City at the Hilton Midtown on Saturday, May 13th, 2023. NAACP announced the nominees for the 54th annual NAACP Image Awards on our committed to equality, justice, and progressive change. Star Trek Discovery is nominated for opening costume design in film or television. Discovery nominees are Gersha Phillips, Carly Nicodemo, Heather Cottable, Christina Cattle, Cheryl Willock, and Becky McKinnon. This is the first Image Award nomination for Discovery. The Image Award will be broadcast on Saturday, February 25th on BET. Great news. Great representation on the shows. Thank you, Discovery, for keeping that ball. And Paul, what do you got for us? Well, we are lucky enough to be able to get some insight from uh, Star Trek prodigy creator and producer Kevin Hageman because uh, he's going to give us a little bit of a window into how season two of Star Trek prodigy is going to be very different and also their hopes potentially for a movie, for a prodigy movie. During a recent Trek Talks panel, executive producer Kevin Hageman summed up how the second season of 20 episodes is different than the first season of Star Trek Prodigy. Season one, if you boil it down, is it's about a bunch of kids who steal a ship, the adventures that unfold. In season two, we just felt like, what's the next step of evolution of youth, of education, of growing up? And they're going to earn a ship in season two. In season two, you're going to see there are a lot of unanswered questions left by the end of season one. Essentia is still out there floating around somewhere. She's still alive. There's the promise of a new ship. There's Gwyn flying off to Solom to try to do what her father could never do. Season two is going to be really exciting because it's going to feel like a new chapter. We're diving into new territory, but it still feels like a continuation of season one. And so I think by the end of season two, it's all going to feel like this gargantuan epic piece. We don't even know when it's going to get released. We're hoping it will be 2023, later this year. Uh, We're starting to mix the very first episodes of season two right now. So we should be have things ready later this year. But that's all up to the networks and the overloads of Star Trek because you want to try to pace out each of the shows, right? You, You don't want all Trek shows to drop at the same time. So all our heads are always in the clouds here, like we want to do an animated movie. I would love for the show to keep going for many, many seasons. And then sort of like they did with The Next Generation, they had the show, and then they started to spin off and do features. So to be able to have the show and then to have a feature, (laughs) it would be amazing. Not just an animated feature, but if you could do live-action feature, it would be absolutely stunning. Wow, a live-action version of Prodigy. That's wild. So, uh, they, not surprisingly, uh, Kevin Eggerman, they have very lofty ambitions for the show. And they certainly delivered so far. And they've got, uh, they are telling storytelling on uh, Prodigy that feels 
like Star Trek. It's about something, and it's character-driven. So, if again, I, we've said this a lot on Trek Talking, but if you have not checked out Prodigy yet because you're walking around with a big chicken leg in one hand and a big gulp in the other, and you're like, oh, Prodigy, that's a kid's show on Nickelodeon. I don't want, I don't watch that. You haven't checked it out yet. You're really missing the boat, fans, because Prodigy's great, and it's legit Star Trek, and that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. Charles, what do you got? All right. I guess we're digging into the past a little bit. <clears throat> James Doohan basically developed Star Trek Scotty himself. Contrary to popular belief, the late, the late James Doohan, who played the famously Famously, Scottish engineer Montgomery Scott Scotty in the original Star Trek was not Scottish at all. Duane explains that being known for the role as Mr. Scott caused him to be typecast in roles requiring Scottish accents. He said it made him really angry at first. Then he doubted his decision to play a Scottish character in the first place, but eventually came to embrace it. But why was the Enterprise's chief engineer made to be Scotch anyways? Well, it turns out the character's nationality had a lot to do with it, Doohan's decision during his audition. <clears throat> it was Star Trek creator Gene Rodbury himself who gave Doohan the freedom. Doohan explained that when he auditioned for Star Trek, he was asked to do several different accents, and they said the Scottish one. And, of course, I was delighted with that because I think the tradition of the engineer as a Scotsman because all the great motor ships and steamships of the world were built in the Clydes, the actor explained. Doohan explained that when his audition for Star Trek, he was asked to do several different accents after, after he did the accents. Ron Burry asked which one Doohan preferred. Doohan decided the engineer would have to be Scottish. Makes perfect sense to me, believing the fact that the Scots have got a big history. Mm-hmm. You know what? Totally. I, I don't want to. Uh, I, I was such a. Um, I don't know. I met when I met Jimmy Doohan for the first time at a Star Trek convention. I went up to the, and this is way back in the day, guys, when autographs were free. I know you don't believe that, but they were. When you paid your twenty bucks at the door, uh, you just went up and you got an autograph. You didn't have to pay an extra hundred. So at any rate, we went up to meet Jimmy Dewan and he was missing his middle finger. And I was, I could, I was like, wow, when did that happen? And he said during world war two, he never had his finger, even, even when he was on star Trek, but they filmed, they filmed him so that you could never see that he was missing that finger. And if you watch star Trek four, when he's typing on the keyboard, and he picks up the mouse. They, he, he's typing with two fingers, so you can't notice that the one finger is gone. And I never, I was, I was shocked when I found that out. I was like, wow, wow, camera can play tricks on you, can't it? Yep. At any rate, guys, um, that wraps up our show for this week. Uh, run out and get uh, IDW's Star Trek Strange New Worlds, The Illyrium Enigma. Um, it's a great read. Well, well worth it. I'm looking forward to episode three and four with any rate next week we're going to talk about star trek picard season three episode one entitled the next generation part one 
meaning that obviously there's going to be the next generation part two the following week, one would assume. But at any rate, we're going to talk about part one next Thursday. So if you have not seen Star Trek Picard, season three, episode one yet, because you live in an area where it hasn't aired yet, that's okay. You have a whole week to watch it before we talk about it. And it's well worth the wait. Trust me on that. I want to take this opportunity to say thank you so much to our very own Eric for hanging out and truck talking with us on this special edition of Comic Corner. Thank you, Eric. Absolutely. Thank you, guys. Had a great time, as always. And thanks to all the fans out there. We really appreciate your support. We do. We, uh, we couldn't do the show without you guys. And thank you, of course, to Paul for hanging out and truck talking with us on Comic Corner this week. Thank you, Paul. Super fun time, man. Really great to be back and chatting with everybody. Uh, awesome, awesome shenanigans, as always. So thanks, fans. We love you. We, we do indeed. And, of course, thank you so much to our very own Charles for hanging out with us and Trek Talking as well on Comic Corner. Thank you, Charles. Oh, thank you. I love talking the comics, and I hope the fans enjoyed our discussion and encourage them to get out there and enjoy the comics, too. Yes, there's Get some out great there, ones fans. out there. They're worth it. They definitely are. If you don't, if you're like me and you live in the sticks and you don't have a comic shop, Comicology is phenomenal. You just go to your yep. Kindle and say, "Send it to me." Boom, there it is, right there. At any rate, in fact, as I said, we, in fact, person and personally, I actually go ahead and just pre-order them. I do a pre-order yep. and say, "Okay, Amazon, when it comes out, send me the issue." And yep, the charge comes up, too. and I'll know. Okay, I got a new issue. Yep, I do that. I do that as well. So, guys, uh, please head over to our Facebook page, and you can get there by going to trucktalking.com, and you'll find all of our previous shows all there, waiting for you to enjoy them. So, please head over there and give a listen to any. You could actually listen to our Spice Williams show if you'd like to, or. You can go even further back and listen to Stunt Treks with yours truly and the one and only Leslie Hoffman, where she shares her stories about working on Star Trek and wearing Freddy Krueger's glove and Nightmare on Elm Street, Planet of the Apes, all kinds of great stuff that Leslie and I chatted about. So you can find all those shows at trektalking.com. I'm your most excellent host, Uncle Jim, and I want to say thank you to each and every one of you guys and tell everybody to please stay safe and be good to each other. Star Trek fans are the best fans. You better believe it. Hailing frequencies are closed. Good night, everybody. Live long and prosper. Good night, fans. Good night, friends. Let's see what's out there. Engage. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. 
In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.